Welcome to the Marn Report. Good morning. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Steve Bolton. I'm the Garrison Commander here at Connor Army Airfield. And today, we're talking about our on-post housing communities. I'm joined by three representatives that are part of this equation. First, from the Garrison Housing Office, also known as the Residential Communities Initiative, I have my Garrison teammate, Mr. Doug Delzey. From Balfour Beatty Communities, representing Hunter Army Airfield Homes, I have Ms. Jeanette Davis, our new Good community morning. manager, and Mr. Dance Boone, our new maintenance team lead. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. The guidance that we at Garrison provide to our housing office and to our Balfour Beatty partner is that we want to welcome every Army family into a home that we ourselves will be proud to put our own family in. We don't always make that mark, and it's important to us that we get better as a team, but it's also important that we communicate with you, our residents, about all the efforts that go into making that a possibility. This is why we're having this conversation today. So I'd like to start with our private housing partner from Balfour Beatty. Ms. Davis, you've been a part of the Balfour Beatty team for a while at Fort Stewart, but you're just joining us here at Hunter. Would you take a moment to describe what you do uh, and what your team does for Hunter communities? Colonel Bolton, you're absolutely correct. I'm new to Hunter, but I'm not quite new for the Balfour Beatty area. So I'm bringing the passion and the love to our residents and making sure that the quality that we deliver is what they expect. Mr. Boone, you are joining us recently within the last few months. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do as our maintenance lead for Hunter Communities? Yes, sir. I am the facilities manager at Hunter Army Airfield. I take care of this, the residents and make sure that their service requests are done on time and their homes are ready for them to move into. Thank you, Mr. Baird. I'd like to turn to my garrison teammate now, Mr. Doug Delzee. Uh, again, you represent the garrison side of this equation. So would you take a moment to talk about your team at the Garrison Housing Office or the Residential Communities Initiatives and explain what you do? Yes, sir. The Army Housing Office uh, or the Residential Community Initiative Office, which is a branch of the Army Housing Office, we have a rather robust mission here to oversee the housing, the privatized housing uh, company, of course, Belfort BD Communities. Our role is rather uh, significant. My team is composed of one full-time representative up here at Hunter Army Airfield, who is Marvin Johnson. He is our housing manager, quality assurance uh, inspector here at Hunter. I have seven additional quality assurance personnel at Fort Stewart. Uh, those personnel, of course, will cover down at Hunter in our times of surge, which can be, of course, during the, the, move, the primary move-out times between usually April through July, beginning of August every year. Now our mission is threefold. Basically what our requirement is to do a 100% assessment of all homes prior to family moving in. We call those between occupancy maintenance inspections. So we do 100% of those. The second step of our mission is do we have to follow up on 100% of all emergency work orders, which we deem as life health safety work orders. That's done by a phone call to that, that resident and then followed up with a visit to that home to make sure that the work is completed properly into the resident's satisfaction. Then our third fold of that requirement is we do a 5% callback on all urgent and routine work orders. That means we call back 5% of all of those workers. I want to try to put that in perspective in a year's work. I'll use 2021 as our example. In 2021, we completed 1,871 bonds between Fort Stewart and Hunter Rio Field. We also completed 719 emergency work orders and we did a callback on 3,043 urgent and routine work orders. So as you can see, we're involved on a daily basis, on the ground with residents and their immediate concerns. That sounds like a lot of work for a, a very small team 
uh, that has a lot of competence and experience in it. Um, but, but what I really gathered from that is your office is responsible for doing the quality check on the work that BBC does on its own homes. And, and you mentioned between occupancy maintenance in that. Would you take a moment to, to kind of unpack the difference between the between occupancy maintenance or the bomb that the housing partner makes and the bomb inspection that your office does? This, is, this has been a particular issue here at Hunter recently, and we have really asked our housing partner to pay special attention to bombs. Yes, sir, the between occupancy maintenance inspection is uh, one of our primary missions, and, and that is correct. We oversee the preparation that our private partner, Belfort Beauty Communities, does in preparation at home before move-in. It's our responsibility to guarantee that quality. We do that, of course, by going and doing a physical inspection of every home using an MCOM checklist, which is very, very involved, but it guarantees that we look at every aspect of every home and provide that information and feedback back not only to our community, but to the Army. It's reported that way using automated systems, of course. I want to mention Ramona Welch, who is my primary lead for this area, and she does the coordination for the daily day, day-to-day bomb inspections with BBC. And this really makes sure that we cover down, we don't miss any homes, and that these families do get a home that is ready for them to move into. Doug, thank you for that. Before we go back to Balfour Beatty for the next question, I, I want to ask another follow-up about the bomb inspection. So we do fail homes on these inspections and turn them back to BBC for more work. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Um, some bombs do, do fail. We do identify issues that need to be resolved before we allow a family to move into a home. So what we do when we identify these deficiencies, they're immediately provided to Belfort Media Communities with a report, and then we give them an opportunity to make those corrections, and then we'll go back and rebound that home to make sure that those standards are met. Again, if a, if a home has failed for not being to standards, that's a reportable item. So Belfort BD knows that it's basically a report card they want to do as well as they can too because this is broadcasted across the Army and it's kind of competitive, of course. Everybody wants to do the best that they can. So it keeps the standards up very well. We have a good relationship with Belfort BD, so we make sure that we immediately give them any deficiencies and they're very good about letting us know when they've corrected those so that we can follow up. And the key goal is, of course, to have a home that's ready for a family and, and without delaying it too long to make sure that we can make the corrections but the home is still ready for standards for the family to move into. Mr. Delzey, thank you for offering some clarity on that issue. So I'd like to go back to our facilities mas- uh, manager, Mr. Boone. Uh, if a resident has just moved into a home and they find that they still have issues, do they follow the same process that, that they would for submitting a work order at any time during their stay on Hunter? We basically follow the same standard when uh, we do work orders. When they first move in, they have some t- days to, to identify any issues that they have in their home. And we want to be able to take care of those issues right away. So those become a priority, especially since they just moved in. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Davis, what are some of the ways that a resident can submit a work order? Carnival, and there's several ways that uh, a resident could put in a request. It's either through our Rent Cafe portal, which we allow them when they first moved in to register, and also through our call center, which is a new website and um, platform that we have just started. So they'll have 24 hours, seven days a week, uh, response lifetime with someone on the other side of the phone. Thank you, Ms. Davis. Returning to our our facilities manager, uh, I know even though there are many ways to submit a work order, 
one of the chief complaints that we hear from our residents quite often is the, the response time to work orders. So would you take a moment to describe the different categories of work orders and what is the expected response time for each one of those? Yes, sir. We have uh, three categories of work orders. We have the emergency work order, urgent work order, and routine. Uh, an emergency work order is something really life, health, safety. We respond in one hour. The urgent work orders, we have four hours to respond. And that could be something like a flood or something leaky. Also, the routine is like appliances or something that's not broken, not working properly. Something that's not really urgent is usually one or two days we will respond to that work. Okay, so that's good information, but I understand sometimes that there are maintenance requests to their work orders that your maintenance team doesn't have the expertise to complete by itself. Uh, when something goes beyond Balfour Beatty's capability, how do you get that fixed? Yes, sir. A lot of times we have issues where uh, the work is not within the scope of the technician. We need a professional to come in or a vendor. So we contract that out, and I usually do several bids for three contractors to come out and give me a scope. Well, I send them the scope, and then they come back and they give me a price, and we go ahead and take care of it. We try to maintain a communication with the residents all during this process, but uh, sometimes we miss it, but we're going to keep on doing it until uh, the vendors know when they come on base, we need to report to the maintenance office first so we can take care of the residents and they know where it's going. So I think that communication you mentioned is really important because if you have to go through a bid process and then a contractor you know, has a, a long lead time in order to be, come on to post and fix a house, that can be a very frustrating thing for a resident. Uh, so I, I'm glad you're trying to improve your communication with the resident to, to manage their expectations about how long it will take uh, a routine work order to get addressed. All right. So, Mr. Boone, once a resident submits a work order, what is supposed to happen next? Based on the priority of the work order, the response is uh, uh, calculated based on um, what it is, whether it's an urgent, whether it's an emergency or routine. And then a technician comes out, first the call center will actually submit that work order to the technician. The technician will see it on his phone, and if, he's, if it's an emergency, he has to stop what he's doing and go within one hour. Uh, a lot of times those work orders get addressed to me and I have to stop what I'm doing and go and make sure it's taken care of. Uh, if it's urgent, technician has four hours, but they usually respond in less time than that, depending on how many urgents they have for that day. If it's a routine, then the technician puts it in his schedule, in his queue. He goes to his regular where he's already scheduled with other residents and he continues to work his daily routine work orders until they're all complete. So it sounds to me like uh, a, a technician who has his day planned out can have his schedule disrupted by the arrival of an urgent or, or an emergency work order. Uh, and I know that can be frustrating to the residents that were being served by his routine work. One of the other complaints that we get from a lot of residents is making sure that the, the, the appointment time is right for their family and that the technician is able to arrive on time. Uh, and we know that can always happen sometimes because of these, uh, these emergency and urgent work orders that come in. What can residents do uh, on their part in order to make a uh, work visit go smoothly? One thing residents need to understand mm -hmm. that um, work orders need to be responded to immediately when it's a life health safety issue, like fire, flood, mold, uh, anything that could actually harm the resident. We have to respond on a dime and make sure it's taken care of. And what they need to understand, these issues happen not just way across base or somewhere. 
else they happen to their neighbors and we have to address them immediately so if they can understand and have a little patience with us we will take care of them we'll put that dishwasher in or we'll fix that light but we want to make sure that we give them the time to uh, if we can't come call them and say hey we can't make it can we reschedule with you and it's not because we don't want to do it we just want to make sure that we take care of the emergencies first all right, so in that response, Mr. Boone, I heard you mentioned mold. And living here in the coastal empire in the deep south, uh, high humidity, high temperatures, uh, organic growth is, is almost uh, a condition of life here. So uh, what should residents do if they find some kind of growth in their home that they suspect might be mold? Yes, sir. When residents put a work order in for emergency mold, that is like red flags for us so that they didn't need to immediately put in a work order for mold in their home. That sets us to a higher level of maintenance so that we need to know where it is and we need to come out and inspect it and take care of it in a timely manner. That work order is also the tracking for if it becomes a, a bigger issue than normal to where we can start putting things into it where we have to go out to get an outside vendor or contractor where we have to remediate it where we have to make sure the residents put in another place, in a home or hotel, until we remediate it. So all those things starts with that initial work order for the emergency, and once that emergency is taken care of, command is let know, everybody in the command is let know when the steps are processed, and our policy is to make sure that we address it in a timely manner. Okay, so one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is prevention. Uh, are there any things that a resident can do to help prevent the formation of, of growth or mold within their home? Yes, sir. There's many things a resident can do to prevent mold. Like you said earlier, there's, we're in the south, we're in the southern, and it's high humidity here. One thing they can do is keep their, their thermostat set lower so that that air conditioner is the dehumidifier in the home. They can keep their windows closed. They can also uh, watch their water leaks under their cabinets, under tub area. If they see any signs of a leak, if we get that work order Instead of waiting, we can eliminate some of these calls. The biggest thing is to make sure that we know that there's a water leak in the home or something growing in the home. And if we catch those early, they won't have the mold. We can just have a water leak, fix the leak, and everything will be fine. Dance, thank you. And I think one of the other things that we've talked about in the past is also uh, regular routine filter changes. Uh, to make sure that the airflow is moving properly. Now, I'd like to go back to your question about, or your comment about thermostat settings. All right, uh, if, if you have a house that's too cold, you're actually inviting the formation of water on your walls when you open doors and windows and you get that drastic change in temperature. So what is an appropriate thermostat setting for the hot summer months here? For the hot months here in Georgia, sir, you would really want your thermostat at 72 degrees. You don't want to go up too high and you don't want to go too low. And then, if, like you said, if, if you see your walls uh, starting to develop moisture, that might be an airflow issue. So then you want to make sure your filters are changed. Check your filters often. Uh, I like to say every month, just pick a day and say, I'm going to go check my air filter. And we give the filters. If they come to our self-help and tell us where they're at, we'll give them a filter. Earlier, you mentioned that any time a resident sees something that might be a mold growth, they should call in an emergency work order. Uh, however, are there any things that a resident can do themselves, any products they can use that are safe and effective if the growth is still small and, and they can clean it immediately uh, to prevent any harm or potential harm to their family? Yes, sir. There's a lot of things that residents can do. One of we talked about was identifying the mold. Mm -hmm. Now, they can also 
you know, just clean it with some soap and water. If you see a small spot that's growing on your wall, clean it with some soap and water. Do your maintenance in your home and, and watch around your home and, and be aware of what's going on in your home, especially under your sinks, around your tubs. All those areas in your home where you have moisture, um, you want to watch those areas like around the walls where it comes out of the tub. Watch how your kids play in the tub. I mean, sometimes they splash. You know, kids have fun. So if they're splashing, you know, make sure you just kind of look at that area and say, okay, we've got to wash this off with some soap and water and that'll be fine. So speaking of products that can be used to clean mold, we talked earlier about uh, the potential for a really bad growth to require you to, to bring in a mold team to address something. And I know one of the questions that we've had from several residents over the last year is about the products and the method that the mold team uses to mitigate a bad growth. Quite often they'll see the mold team spraying something on the mold or they'll, they'll appear to be painting over it and then they'll leave it in place. And, and if it's not explained what those products are or what the process is, it might look to a resident that the technician is just, just covering over the mold uh, instead of actually explaining that, well, these are products that kill the mold and, and contain it and prevent its, its regrowth. So would you take a moment to talk about uh, what products our mold teams use in homes? Yes, sir. Uh, I wanted to make sure that our people understand that mold is a growth that can be cleaned with soap and water. But we, with Belfort Beauty, we take it a little step further. We clean it with a chemical, Moldex, and we also use a Promar 200 paint. That is not a regular paint. That paint itself inhibits the mold. So it may look like they're painting over it, but they're actually putting in it, and we're taking it to the next level when it comes to mold. So we don't want it to come back. But the first step they need to understand is mold is one of those things that thrives on moisture. So the first step is to dry the area. It may look like we haven't come to your home in a while, especially if uh, some areas, small areas are saturated. And I'm, when I'm talking to small, anything four square feet is what we're talking about. Anything bigger than that, we might be getting an outside contractor. So I want you to understand in a small area, we can dry that within a day or two. Then we will come back and we will actually treat that area. Then we will come back later, depending on how wet it was with the treatment and paint over it. All this is a step-by-step -step process so that we make sure that it doesn't come back in that area. Right? We stop the leak and the leak doesn't return. Mr. Boone, thank you for that explanation again. Uh, I think the residents will appreciate having good communication about this process, whether it's here on this video or when a team comes into their home to, to take care of a growth. In the coming months, you might hear a lot of noise coming from Fort Stewart as our brigades go into ranges for gunnery. Cold weather and overcast skies can tend to amplify the noise. Don't worry, that's just the sounds of freedom. If you have any concerns about noise, please feel free to call 210-9375. Uh, the next thing I'd like to do is, is go back to Ms. Davis and let's talk about the three-step process that we want our residents to use to resolve any issues that they have in their home. And, and step one we've been talking about for a while, which is the work order process. But if they're not satisfied with that initial work order, there are some, there's a step two and a step three. What are our residents supposed to do? Now, when they put in a work order and we do out, we go out there and do the work, obviously, it, we have, um, they have a response time. Either they come back saying that it's not satisfied or satisfied. If they're satisfied, we're good to go. We move on to the next resident and the next work order. If they're unsatisfied, 
what they can do is, of course, after I, ourselves, take the notification that they are not happy, and we can satisfy them for whatever reason it is, our GHO partners also get involved um, to letting them know that we're all tracking and to see what we can do to make sure that their work is satisfied and met to their quality and the conditions that they want us to address. I want to go to Mr. Delzeeth now on the garrison side. Um, when residents are not satisfied with the response to a work order or to any other issue within uh, the housing area, they are. A, we have a three-step process that's developed between the garrisons and uh, the housing partner, and this applies at all, every Army base. Can you describe that three-step process for us and why we want the residents to use it? Yes, sir. We have a very simple... Uh design three-step process for resident satisfaction and resolution of issues. The first step we talked a little bit about is uh, the resident's responsibility to call on a work order to make sure that their concerns can be taken care of and then afford BBC's community management or facility management the opportunity to correct that deficiency. If it's not met at that step, which is step one, then we go to step two, where the resident has the opportunity to call the BBC's hotline. The hotline number is outlined in our schematic that we have for the three-step process. That will afford BBC's uh, corporate office to come back down and follow up and check to get that resolved issue for that resident. Then if that still not meets the satisfaction of the resident, our step three is for them to contact us at the Army Housing Office, the Resident Community Initiative Office, which you can see by our, our uh, sign here that we have contact numbers for Marvin Johnson here at Hunter Army Airfield and Ramona Welch at Fort Stewart. There's our contact for step three. If it comes to step three, then I guarantee that members from Army Housing Office will follow up to make sure that we meet resolution on their concerns. Okay, Doug, thank you for that answer. Uh, again, the three-step process is important for our residents because it is actually the fastest way to get you resolution on an issue that you're not satisfied with. I know a lot of our residents would like to go straight to the ICE comment uh, if they're not happy with something in housing, or they wanna go find a housing advocate uh, somewhere off post and, and those are very powerful tools and some people even like to go to social media interaction to, to try and get their uh, complaints addressed. All of those will eventually get you to resolution but none of them will get you there as quickly as the three-step process and honestly Balfour Baby deserves the opportunity to solve your problem quickly at the lowest level but if they don't uh, if the corporate response is not satisfactory to you then yes this third step brings the problem to the garrison level. And even though the, con uh, the contact information on the graphic there is for the RCI office and Mr. Delzi's team, what it really means is if you've gotten to the third step, you're coming to me for Hunter and Sergeant Major Reichard, or you're going to Colonel Ramirez and Sergeant Major Buchanan for anything at Fort Stewart. And we do take those issues very seriously. All right, Dance, uh, there's one more thing that I wanted to ask you about. So we had talked about uh, what residents can do on their own for mold mitigation or some other things. But the housing offices here at Hunter have a pretty good self-help section. Can you talk about what is available for the residents to come get at self-help? Yes, sir. The self-help is at Building 3 on Ganem Avenue. It's also at our leasing center, which is Building 1 on Ganem Avenue. We offer filters and... Um, batteries for the smoke detector. We offer uh, tub stoppers so they can come by and actually light bulbs, everything that they need for the uh, home. Okay, that, that's really good to know. And I know all the homes that we have here on Hunter have a variety of different light bulbs uh, in their fixtures. Uh, some of them are very non-standard. 
So it's good to know that we can go to the Balfour Beatty office and pick those up. Uh, Ms. Davis, question for you. What are some of the improvement projects that are slated for our neighborhoods this year? Keep in mind, everyone, we are new to the team, but we have a lot of nice things that are coming for the residents. We're going to be doing the upgrades in our playgrounds. We're going to be doing our basketball courts. We're going to make sure that both sides of the splash parks is working and operable for you and your family to enjoy. Stay tuned. And a lot of us have seen our brand new landscaping contractor uh, out and about in the neighborhoods. Uh, can you tell us about mowing schedules and any improvements to um, you know, street signs? Yeah, so we also have a new contractor, our Phoenix company, that's going to be taking care of all the communities uh, on a weekly basis, daily basis for each neighborhood. So we got to make sure that your, your homes are going to look really, really nice, especially now that the summer is coming up. As far as our playgrounds, we're going to be doing upgrades as well. We're ensuring that both uh, splash parks are also going to be taken care of. So there's a lot of improvements uh, that we're going to be doing as well as I've noticed in the community driving around that there's a lot of signs missing, so we are making sure that we're going to be placing them accordingly, not only the street names, but also for our children's safety when they're playing outside. And the speeding, of course, obviously. Ms. Davis, thank you for that. Our Fort Stewart Military Police wants you to know there's been an increase in animal-related car accidents on Highways 119 and 144, especially with hogs. Many of the accidents are happening when it's foggy. Please, when you're driving on the highways, remember to set your crews and stay alert for hazards. And remember, when you see fog, there may be a hog. Slow down and take your time. Uh, Mr. Delziz, turning to you, we are right in the middle of the Department of Defense Tenant Satisfaction Survey. I think we only have a few more weeks left for residents to respond to this. Can you tell me a little bit about that survey uh, and the role that your office plays in it and why is it important that residents respond to it? Yes, sir. This is our Tenant Satisfaction Survey. It's an annual survey that is, of course, directed by the Department of Army. Uh, it's very critical that we get everybody's participation in this because it gives us good feedback on how soldiers and families are perceiving the quality of their homes. So it's very important. We ask every resident to please take the time to fill out the survey. Our goal is to get it to 30% minimum of response rate from every community. We're not sitting there yet. At, at Hunter, we're doing fairly well. We're about 24.7%. So we got a little bit farther to go, but we urge everybody to, to, to reach out and take that survey. That survey brings a lot of information for us to come up with an action plan based off of the comments so that we can make this community better. So the residents, your vote counts, your voice needs to be heard. So please take the time to fill out the survey for us. Doug, that's great to know. Our goal is at least 30% of our residents. We have more than 670 families living on Hunter. We would like at least 30% of you to respond to this survey. It is important because this is good feedback, not just for the housing partner, but for the Army itself. I believe last year, the satisfaction rate uh, was between 70 and 75% for the families here on Hunter. Can you talk briefly about how that satisfaction rate and the survey itself will impact uh, the housing partner and the Army's understanding of how well the housing partner is performing? The satisfaction rate is extremely important because it's not only measured at Fort Stewart and Hunter Airfield, but it's compared to all the other installations across the Army portfolio. So it's a good, friendly competition between all the installations to see 
who has the best customer satisfaction, maintenance satisfaction, and overall satisfaction. So it's a great goal for these, these private partners to achieve because they do get recognized for how good they're doing or where they need to improve. So it helps us determine not only at our level, but at the Army level, who needs help where and how we can help them. Mr. Delzey, thank you for, for clarifying the importance of that survey. Again, I hope everybody takes the time to go fill it out. The 2022 Department of Defense On Post Housing Tenant Satisfaction Survey has been extended to March 7th. Your feedback is a crucial part of improving the quality of life in Fort Stewart on Army Airfield Housing. Residents should have received a link to the survey in the email they have on file with the housing office. However, a link to the survey can also be found on the Fort Stewart Family Homes Facebook page at www.facebook.com backslash Fort Stewart Homes. Don't miss out on this awesome opportunity to let your voice be heard. I, I do want to turn back to our Hunter Army Airfield Homes partner with a couple of questions about some things that are, that are of regular importance in our neighborhoods. Uh, and to begin with, um, we got a change in policy this year that now allows residents to enjoy trampolines and fire pits at their homes. But there are still some rules to follow. Can you expand on that? Yes, and of course it's for safety. Uh, trampolines are, are allowed, but you have to have an insurance uh, liability policy with at least a minimum of $100,000. Please make sure that you secure the trampolines. Uh, we do have windy times here at Georgia and some such storms, and we don't want them to actually hit anybody or you have to make sure that you secure them. That's one of the main concerns here. As far as our fire pits, they are also allowed, but it have to be at least 15 square feet away from any structure. That means don't put the pits, the fire pits under the trees, do not put them next to your homes. Thank you, Ms. Davis. Those are some great points. I'm really glad that our residents are able to enjoy those. Uh, you know, they add to quality of life. Uh, there are a couple of other things that I, I think apply to the trampolines. Uh, and, and this is important because we had a windstorm just last month mm -hmm. and a lot of our new trampolines on posts got blown out of people's yards uh, and across part of their neighborhood, uh, which could have done damage to other people's homes, could have done damage to vehicles. So that weighting them down or staking them down inside your assigned yard space is really important. Uh, and I believe it's also required that they have side netting for safety, correct? That is correct. Okay. Great, thank you. Uh, would you cover uh, the housing pet policy for us? Absolutely. There's a two pet policy. Of course, obviously everybody loves their fur babies. Uh, we have restricted any aggressive pets are not allowed on pay on, they're not allowed on posts, as well as making sure that they're always on a leash. There's a two pet policy restriction here on posts. Uh, any aggressive bees are not allowed. Make sure that your uh, pets are also on a leash. They have to be supervised at all times. And be courteous to every neighbor. Not everyone has a pet. And make sure that you're taking care of after your, 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 your dogs. Or if you're walking them, make sure that you have a doggy bag. We have pet stations everywhere throughout the community. We're probably going to get more. So that'll be easier for you to um, just take care of your, your, your fur babies. And sir, I might also add that all pets have to be registered to be in housing, which means they've got to basically be on the lease for that family so that BBC knows the number of pets and to make sure that they're not an unauthorized breed or an authorized species. That's important for the safety of everyone. Jeanette, Doug, thank you for that clarification. And, and I'll add 
that the pet policy doesn't only apply to the housing areas, there is also a garrison-wide pet policy that covers both Fort Stewart and Hunter Army Airfield. And there are, spe there are specified breeds that are prohibited breeds on post. Uh, it clarifies that every pet that is outside of your home must be on a leash. Uh, but it also goes so far to say as that, that other breeds that aren't specifically prohibited may also be prohibited if the individual animal acts aggressively in a certain way towards humans or other animals. So please, uh, before you bring your pets on post to walk in the park or to go live in a housing area, make sure you know what the policy is for all of those areas. Ms. Davis, one last question for you. Can you talk about the housing policy on a home-based business? That, of course, will start with an application. Uh, it has to go not only through us, we have an, a, a home-based policy addendum that has to be obtained in the community center. We also have to submit it for approval with our corporate office as well as our GHO partners. And sir, when we receive these uh, home-based applications from BBC, we also work with Army Community Services to make sure that these are legal businesses and that they can be tracked and it's registered not only for BBC but for the installation. And again, it's to make sure that we are accountable for all those uh, businesses and we make sure that they're all legally operating and safe. All right, well, thank you all for taking the time to come talk to me about this today. Again, what we're doing here is we're trying to mystify some of the things in the housing areas that are, are perennial questions uh, for the people who work here and the people who live here. And Mr. Delzeef, Ms. Davis, Mr. Boone, I really appreciate your answers today. For everybody out there, again, this is part of our effort to communicate better with our, our communities and our residents. Uh, we know we've got improvement to go to get to that mark, that standard, of being able to welcome every Army family into a home that we would put our own in. We're trying to get there. So we've got this interview. You may have seen the video that we released earlier this month in February of what a bomb inspection actually looks like. And I encourage all of you to come to one of the housing town halls that we're going to have in your neighborhood within the next month. Again, better communication, improves better understanding, and we want to be good neighbors. We would like to be good neighbors. Thank you. It's tax season again, which means the Fort Stewart and Hunter Army Airfield tax centers are open and ready to help you maximize your returns. This year, due to COVID-19 restrictions, appointments are required and our certified tax preparers are available for both in-person or virtual appointments. To make an appointment, call 912-767-2075. For more information and complete listing of who is eligible to use installation tax services, visit www.home.army.mail forward slash store.